So today we turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Hear now the reading of the Word of God. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel? Yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses was lifted up, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And this is the word of God. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word does not come back void, that you will accomplish your work through your word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So Lord, I ask today that our eyes, our ears, and our hearts are open to receive what you want us to hear. That if people within this hearing of this sermon today do not believe that they may be born again, Lord, may your spirit work in their hearts and those who have believed, may we be encouraged to love you more and to share you more. I pray everything in the saving name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Sarah has been taking an advanced history class at her high school. She's a very good student. She's in the honor society and in the top 10 of her class. She's a hard worker and always prepares. One day she had a tough exam. She studied for hours as she usually does, and she was confident she was going to pass this exam with flying colors. She studied chapter 4 and was well-versed with the material. The next day, she went to class, prepared and excited to take this exam. She opened the exam, and she began to read, but then she started to panic. She noticed that the questions on the exam didn't cover anything that she studied. Frantically, she ran to the teacher and said, I don't remember seeing any of this in chapter 4. The teacher calmly explained to her, saying, Sarah, it is chapter 4, but you were studying the wrong book. Have you ever thought you really knew something, yet you found out you had no clue? 
Have you ever studied for a test? You were well prepared, only to find out you were studying the wrong material. Has it ever been pointed out to you that you can't see the answers because you were looking in the wrong place? Or maybe you weren't looking at the right thing. In our text today, we have a very learned, well-trained man, Nicodemus. He came to see Jesus. This is a man who Jesus called a teacher of Israel. He was a Pharisee. Nicodemus spent time studying the scriptures of his, what we call the Old Testament. And he was trying to live, as the Pharisees did, trying to live a holy, righteous life. The Pharisees prided themselves on keeping the laws. They prided themselves on knowing the scriptures. And here Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He comes to see what has been going on. Nicodemus believes he knows the scriptures, but here we will see Jesus truly, truly tell him what the scriptures mean. In the conversation, we will see Jesus teach the teacher of Israel. The teacher of Israel who should know what Jesus is teaching him. Jesus will teach him what the scriptures really mean and who the scriptures are really pointing to. We will look at this text in three parts today. First, the reconnaissance as Nicodemus comes to Jesus to get information from him, to find out what he's doing. Second, the response. The response Jesus gives to this approach by Nicodemus. And third, the reason. The reason Jesus gives for the new birth. My prayer is that we will also come to Jesus and we will see by grace through faith that we must be born again. And that if you haven't come to him, that you will come to him and see who he truly is for him. So let's begin with the reconnaissance. John 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Here again, this man, Nicodemus, he is a Pharisee. He is a, a well-known man in the Jewish community. He is a leader of the Jewish community. He has a high ruling position as a Pharisee, but he's also part of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the ruling council of the prominent Jews in Palestine, with members from both the Sadducees and the Pharisees, who were known as the religious elite at that time. The Pharisees were a group, again, concerned with studying the scriptures and living a holy life. They would also call others to live holy lives, but not by grace through faith, but by observing the laws and the statutes of the scriptures. Jesus often, throughout the Gospels, calls the Pharisees out on their hypocrisy. He would call them whitewashed tombs, who looked great on the outside, but inside were full of dead men's bones. They had no real life in them. Throughout the gospel accounts, we see that many of the Pharisees did not like Jesus. They often would pick up stones to stone him. They wanted him dead because they knew he was calling them out for their hypocrisy. But none of their attempts were successful until they eventually convinced Pilate to have him crucified. But here the Pharisee, Nicodemus does come to Jesus. In John's gospel, we see this is after John the, John the Baptist had baptized Jesus. It comes after the miracle that Jesus performed of turning water into wine. And it comes after Jesus first cleansing the temple here and then showing many signs in Jerusalem. 
Now Nicodemus, who probably was there seeing these signs and with other Pharisees, saw and heard of what Jesus was doing. He might have even been talking with the other Pharisees, saying, who is this guy? He does miracles and signs. Can he be truly from God? Or maybe they were saying, who does this guy think he is? He's getting a following. He must be stopped. Maybe the Pharisees were doing a little bit of both. We don't know for sure. But we do know this Pharisee, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus at night. He comes at a time of day when he won't be seen by others. This prominent Jewish ruler, many scholars say, was approaching Jesus at night to hide that he was coming, to make it a private encounter. Often people nowadays approach Jesus in the same way, hiding their faith, hiding that they know the Lord. Maybe some only come because they're curious. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you approach Jesus in secret. Are you coming in private? Are you hiding from your friends and family that you are a follower of Christ? Don't. We need to live our faith out loud in the eyes of our friends and family. But Nicodemus comes here and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus is showing Jesus respect. It doesn't appear that Nicodemus has an agenda like the rich young ruler does in the other gospel accounts. He calls Jesus teacher. He knows of the signs that he has performed. He saw the signs and now he wants to see who performed them and to meet Jesus. Yet he had seen other signs and other Pharisees had seen as well and they had not come. And when those Pharisees saw the signs, they grew more opposed of Jesus. But here, this prominent man came to meet the rabbi, the teacher of God. But does he really know Jesus is sent from God? Have you come to meet the man of God? Have you come to meet the teacher, the rabbi? Have you seen him yet? Have you drawn near to Jesus by the Spirit of God? Then Jesus gave then, I'm sorry, Jesus knows how to speak with all of us. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus, he also was respectful. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. Then Jesus gave the rich young ruler the law because he knew he was a self-righteous man. He gave him the law to show him he can't keep the law. He needs to believe in the true good teacher, God, come in the flesh. Jesus. The rich ruler, of course, was sad when Jesus told him this and told him to sell all he had and give it to the poor, then come follow him. Because the rich young ruler was self righteous and he loved his money. Jesus knows our hearts, he knows what we need to hear, he knows what idols we're holding on to. What idol are you holding on to that's keeping you from Jesus? Is it money? Is it drugs? Is it sex? Perhaps Nicodemus was holding on to an idol. Maybe his idol was his knowledge, his knowledge of the scriptures. And here we have the response of what Jesus says to him. Verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, 
He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I have said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. This, again, Nicodemus is a religious leader. He knows the scriptures. His heart is on the law of God. He has the scriptures memorized, but he doesn't understand this teaching of the new birth. The law and the scriptures are only in his head, but not in his heart. What does it mean? What does it mean to be born again? Do you remember your birthday? Not when your birthday is, but the actual day you were born. I don't remember the day I was born, the day I took my first breath, the day my eyes saw light for the first time, even though it was blurry, the day I cried for the first time, the first time we all experienced many things. And I don't remember the nine months prior to that either. And I didn't decide any of that for myself. I did not decide to come into this world. All of us here today have that in common. We were born. But you must be born again. You must be born from above. To see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. To enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Jesus, being very loving and gracious with the Pharisee, who comes to him to find out what's going on, perhaps to ask questions about spiritual things, is told a very spiritual thing. Nicodemus, again, knows his Bible. Maybe Nicodemus was arrogant in his knowledge, just like the rich young ruler, again, was arrogant in his righteousness. But Nicodemus should have known what it meant to be born again. It's in the Word. It's in the Old Testament. Where do we look to find this in the Old Testament? I'll give you an example. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27. The Word says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from your uncleanness, and from your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Like our physical birth into this world, our spiritual birth comes from above. We are born again. We are regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. And this is described back here in Ezekiel. God sprinkling clean water on us, giving us a new heart, cleansing us. He puts his spirit within us so that we may walk in his ways. This is what happens to all Christians. We hear this term, born again Christian. R.C. Sproul said that's like saying you're a Christian Christian. All Christians are born again, born from above. Brothers and sisters, if you have believed on Christ for your salvation, you have been born again. You have been cleaned with fresh water, the water of God, by the Spirit of God. You were dead in your sins, but God made you alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We are raised to new life. What an amazing gift of God that is. We watch in our family some of these doctor shows, these dramas. I'm not going to name which ones they are, but I'm sure you've seen them before, where they're set in a hospital, there's emergency rooms, there's always action going on, 
And there's usually an episode where somebody flatlines and they bring in the crash cart. And they charge their heart again. And they're made alive. That's the Holy Spirit of God working in us. We are made alive to believe for our sins to be forgiven. We are made alive. Jesus goes on here to say in verse 6, That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. When we're born into this world, we're born in the flesh. Our flesh is sinful. Our flesh hates God. Romans 8, verse 6 and 7, The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind of the flesh is at enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. And they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We need to be born again. We can't stay in the flesh. Nicodemus doesn't understand that because he is still in the flesh. Christians, you and I have sinned against a holy God. And since we are fleshly and we have sinful hearts and we only desire for things that are sinful... It is impossible to believe in spiritual things of God with man. But with God, all things are possible. We need an intervention. We need new desires. We need a new heart. We need our heart of stone to be taken out and given a heart of flesh to believe in the Lord. Jesus is emphatic about this. He wants Nicodemus to know how important this new birth is. He says, truly, truly. He's saying, this is very, truly, certain. He insists to Nicodemus how important it is. Nicodemus again comes to Jesus. And Jesus is saying he must be born again. He's saying, listen, this is true. This is true. You must have a new heart. You must be sprinkled with clean water. You know the scriptures. You studied the scriptures. This is here. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Let this be a warning to us. We may study theology all we want and not know the God of the theology we are studying. We may memorize Bible verses and know the Bible, but not know the Christ of which the Bible speaks. We must be born again. Jesus continues to explain in verse 8, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Where will the wind blow? Will it blow left? Will it blow you to the right? Will it be a nice gentle breeze or a gale force wind? Many times we experience the wind as a powerful thing. The wind can be used to sail a boat. We can harness the wind for power. Wind is also destructive in tornadoes and hurricanes, knocking over homes, sweeping away cars. But the wind rarely blows in a predictable way. My daughter showed me a video the other day of a kid who was trying to get his trash can. It was blowing in the wind. It was going all the way down the street, and he's pulling it back. And the lid kept coming over on his head, coming over on his head. And he kept trying to pull it, and eventually the wind won that battle and knocked him over. But the Holy Spirit of God is more powerful than any wind we experience on this earth. Some of you, like myself, remember a time when you weren't a Christian. I didn't even want to look at the kingdom of God. I didn't want to hear anybody tell me about Jesus. I would send him away. I don't want to hear that, I would say. And then one day I believed. It was like I was hit with the wind. It knocked me over and my eyes, my ears, and my heart 
was open to receive the word of God. And that's all I want to know is the word of God and to know the God of the word. But I never thought prior to that that I would believe. I didn't look holy, that's for sure. One day, you believed. Maybe you didn't look like a holy person either. Or maybe you did outwardly look holy like the Pharisees did. You were going through these religious actions. Maybe you grew up in church, and, but you still never really believed. And then one day you did believe. You must be born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Maybe you still haven't believed. You must be born again. Our condition before the Holy Spirit brings new life to us is described also in Ezekiel 37. There was a valley of dry bones. The dry bones had no life in them, but the Lord told Ezekiel to prophesy, to speak to the dry bones. And then there was a rattling. And the bones came together with sinews, but it was missing something. Still, no life. So the Lord told Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath. And then the breath came upon the bones that had flesh, and now there was life in them. That's our condition before the Holy Spirit acts. We are a valley of dry, dead bones. But we must be born again. And that is exactly what happened. And you've been raised just like that valley of bones to an exceedingly great army of God. And again, if you grew up in church your whole life and you don't remember a time when you didn't believe, don't let somebody else's testimony take your testimony away. That is great that the Holy Spirit preserved you with a gentle breeze and you don't remember a time when you never believed. I actually think that's powerful. That's what I want for my children. When they're asked, when did you become a Christian? I can't remember a time when I wasn't. What a beautiful thing. But the Holy Spirit still worked in that heart, that child's heart, just like the Holy Spirit works in my heart. This new birth was a shock still to Nicodemus. He thought he and the Pharisees and the scribes, since they knew the word of God, they were bound for the kingdom of heaven. We should also be careful not to assume, again, because we know the word, that we're bound for the kingdom. You must be born again. Maybe you're still continuing in your flesh, in your sin. Maybe the Holy Spirit hasn't brought you to life. Romans ten seventeen, faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. And I pray, again, that the Spirit of God rushes upon you, that you were born again. Jesus says, truly, truly, this is certain, you must be born again. In verses 9 to 10, Nicodemus continues to be confused. He asked how these things could be. This is where Jesus calls him out on being a teacher of Israel and not understanding. Jesus bears testimony of what he sees and what he knows. But Nicodemus still doesn't understand. The plain teaching of the new birth, again, was something in the scriptures. Let me ask you, have you been born again? Have you been born from above? Have you come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation? Have you been born to eternal life? Have your desires changed from loving sin to now hating sin and wanting to mortify it? 
brothers and sisters, again, we still sin. We struggle with sin as Christians. But our desire now should be to mortify that sin, to kill that sin, or else it'll be killing us. But this is the ultimate truth here. If you are a Christian, God loves you. He has brought you to new life. Your sins, all of your sins are forgiven. Past, present, future. All of them. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And this brings us to the reason. Verse 13, Jesus says, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses was lifted up, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus talks here about ascending and descending to heaven from heaven. He refers to himself as the Son of Man. John's Gospel focuses a lot on the deity of Christ, that Jesus is God. And here, we see Jesus refer to himself as the Son of Man. Again, this is an Old Testament reference. We can see an example of this in Daniel 7, verse 13. Daniel writes, I saw in the night vision, and behold, there came with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man. And he, he came even to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given to him dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus is that one, like the Son of Man. He came down from heaven and took on human flesh and dwelt among us. He was sent by the Father to live a sinless life. He accomplished what he came to do. And at the end of Matthew's gospel, he went back up into heaven. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And, lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. Why? Why has Jesus done this? Why has the Son of Man came down from heaven to be born? He did this for you, Christian. He is God, come from heaven. The one like the Son of Man, leaving his throne, his majesty, glory on high. He could have just stayed in heaven, but he came down to save sinners who would believe. Philippians 2, verse 6. Who, though he, Jesus, was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, became man, lives a perfect righteous life, tempted in every way we are, yet without sin. He then dies on the cross, a death he did not deserve. He was hung on a tree. He was lifted up on a pole, as Jesus himself refers to here. Verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Once again, Jesus refers to the Old Testament. 
We see in Numbers 21 the account of the Israelites grumbling in the desert. And God sends upon them serpents, fiery serpents. But then some of them repented and they called and they cried out to Moses. And Moses cried to God. And God said to him, Make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And when the people looked to it, they would be healed. This is a picture of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross for us. That when we look to him, we are healed. We are forgiven. The Israelites were in bondage in Egypt and they were taken out. They were saved again here when the serpents came upon them. But God healed them by their faith to look on the serpent. God provided a way for them to be healed. By faith, we are also healed by looking at the cross. God has even given his son lifted up to die in our place. He was lifted up so that all who believe will have eternal life. Dear ones, how do we do that? How do you believe in him? What must you do? You must be born again. Truly, truly, you must be born from above. You need the Holy Spirit to bring life into your dry, dead bones. You need the Holy Spirit to breathe life into your dead heart. You need to be granted repentance and faith to look upon the cross of Jesus Christ, to look at our sinless Savior, the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who took the wrath of the Father for us. Don't let your pride keep you from looking at the cross of Christ. Don't let your knowledge of theology keep you from resting in Christ. Don't let your lustful thoughts or desires keep you from the throne of Christ. Don't let your seeking of pleasure in this world or other ways to solve your problems keep you from looking at Christ. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, born from above, you will not see the kingdom of God. I titled this sermon, Blowing in the Wind. Now, some of you might hear that title and start singing a little tune written by Bob Dylan. Some of you might not even have heard that tune before or know who Bob Dylan is if you're young. Uh, But that song was a protest song. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. In the song, Bob Dylan lists the problems he saw in the world and People saw these problems, but they weren't doing anything about it. They weren't giving him real answers to these problems. The answers were blowing in the wind. Brothers and sisters, the wind of the Holy Spirit has the answers to all our problems. The world lies in sin, and the wrath of God is on this world. But the Spirit of God is the only way that an unrepented sinner can be brought to faith in Jesus Christ. The answer is blown in the wind of the Holy Spirit of God who will bring all of his people to himself and all the problems of this world will one day be solved. There will be a new heavens and a new earth with no pain, no more tears. God himself, Revelation says, will wipe away your tears. But you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You must turn and trust in him. Don't follow your own ways. Don't think you know it because you study the word. You must be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God 
unless you were born again. If you aren't sure if you're a Christian, if you're here today and you want to be a Christian, you want to be born again, don't leave here today until you know. You can be assured that you have eternal life. All throughout the Gospel of John, he says you may know. John ends the Gospel. I write these things so that you may know you have eternal life. So don't leave here today until you know you have eternal life. Talk to the elders. Talk to me. Don't leave here because you may know you have eternal life. Have you looked to the Son? The very next verse, John 3.16, which we'll go over next week. And I can't wait to go over that verse. It says that God so loved you. So as I close today, think of that. You must be born again. But he sent his son because God so loved you that whoever believes in him, I'm going into it already, preview, (laughs) whoever believes in him, they have eternal life. You may have eternal life. And that's all I want you to have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Apostle John writing these things for us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that we may know we have eternal life, that we must be born again. I thank you that it's nothing that I have done that earns that. It is completely a gift from you. You've took my dead heart You give me new life. I've seen you do it countless times. And we prayed before for friends and family who don't know you, Lord. But we know that you are a gracious, loving God. You say you will be a God to us and to our children. May we have patience in the waiting for that, Lord. And that it's all up to you. Nothing clever that we say to anyone. We can't convince people into the kingdom. All we can do is this, give this glorious message of grace that we can have all our sins forgiven. And this offer goes to everyone. So may we be bold in proclaiming your word. And may it not just be a word to us. May this not just be a ritual we do. It's Sunday, it's time to go to church. May this be truly where we want to be and long for it every week. When Monday hits, We're like, oh, it's only six more days to the Lord's day. Because we look forward to heaven in the same exact way. So may this be an encouragement. May we always come away loving you more, longing to see your face more. And may those who have not, Lord, may they be born again. May your Holy Spirit work in their hearts. I pray everything in the saving, loving, sacrificial name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.